The Ram Dama's Kingdom by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 14, Captivity is an Ugly Fate. Captivity was an ugly fate. Added to it was the fact that they were thousands of miles from civilization, stuck in a torture chamber designed by a madman and isolated under his watchful eye. McGee looked upward at the tiny amount of light creeping through the mesh. Then he closed his eyes, wondering just how long he could hold out against the Ram Dama. The threat of demise, if continued over a sufficient period, can break even the strongest man. Combined with food and water deprivation, the mind can wander past its normal boundaries and into a world where perception is more vital than reality itself. Where the past means nothing, the future is non-existent, and the present is insidiously painful. Ah, I've had it! I've had it! cried the sweaty baker from his cage. Who the hell does he think he is? he asked, his eyes bulging. We don't have to take this, McGee! McGee! Bake! shouted the bearded McGee, his face lined with worry. I hear you, Bake. He's never gonna let us out of here. Damn him! Doesn't he know we're no threat to him? We'll work with him anything. Hold on, Bake, hold on. Never so confident, said the Ram Damar as the screen lighted up behind him. Have you enjoyed your little stay with us so far, Mr. McGee? I hope we're living up to your expectations, said McGee. I am truly amazed at your state of mind, McGee. I would hope you would be climbing the walls like Mr. Baker. I'll kill you, screamed Baker, raising his fists toward the screen. I'll kill you! I don't think so, Mr. Baker, but you will serve me well. Serve you? asked Annie, sitting on the platform with her legs crossed. You will be allowed to participate in the games, Miss Sinclair, and if you survive the games, you will be allowed to worship me. Games? What games? asked McGee as the screen went dead. The enforcers pulled open the doors. The upper light, although low in intensity, burned their eyes. Around them, the water level was rising. They were no match for the enforcers who easily pulled them from their cages. This way, ordered one of them. Where are you taking us? asked the fatigued McGee. With Baker struggling, the enforcers brought them to a stone-lined tunnel. They were pushed forward into a brighter area resembling a prop room of a movie set. Strange gloves were fitted to their hands, metallic gloves with fingers clasped around a riveted sword. They were given silver-colored breastplates and bright red suits, and their boots were equipped with long, sharp knives. The Ram Dama was playing for keeps. Waddling from the heavy metal and fatigue, they were escorted up a staircase that led outside. Soon they emerged into the afternoon light, but they were trapped inside a wire mesh cage. It had been constructed on the outskirts of a huge dirt ring, perhaps 50 yards in diameter. To their utter shock, the Ram Dama had filled the stands with his people, and they were cheering madly at the action in the ring. What is this? Annie shouted. There were two men fighting, both bloodied in front of the crowd. Another one of his perverted pastimes, no doubt, said McGee as he caught sight of the Ram Dama. He was seated near the top section of the stands, directly across from them. There he is, McGee told them as he pointed. Listen to me, McGee, said Baker as his eyes wandered back and forth. We can't go on in here. We perform for him. I have no intention of performing for him, Annie reiterated. 
Nor do I, said McGee. But what the hell are we supposed to do? The Ram Dama stood and spoke over some type of public address system. Halt! all fighting! The enforcer, dressed in a black jumpsuit, used a long metal pole to separate the ring combatants. He pushed them like cattle over to another wire mesh cage. Our main attractions have arrived at the ring, said the Ram Dama, and all eyes moved toward the three figures in the cage. Welcome to the survival games, Mr. McGee, Miss Sinclair, and Mr. Baker. I see you have been fitted for combat. The survival games are a useful way to weed out the rebellious, the lazy, the uninformed, uncooperative souls such as yourself. We will continue to defy you, shouted McGee. Your defiance will add to the festivities. You, Mr. McGee, will have no choices at this point. The swords on your gloves are the key to your survival. When, your com when the combat begins, the swords will be charged with an electrical current. You will have to fight for your lives, he said once again, laughing in his familiar, maniacal manner. Ha ha ha, resume fighting. The two combatants were brought out of the cage. This time their swords had been charged. Sparks flew in the air, and the sound of metal hitting metal was amplified over the arena speakers. The people were whipped into a frenzy, yelling and cheering. Looking through the binoculars, the Ram Dama watched with a demented contentment. You have all the plans. How do we get out of here? I don't know, said the stymied McGee, gritting his teeth. Then we just stalled, suggested Baker. The hell with the bastard. The crowd stood. There was a hush and then mad screaming. One of the fighters had been knocked to the ground and lay in shock as the other man ran his charged sword through the man's stomach. The sizzling sound was sickening. He pulled out the sword, not acting like he had won anything, and hurled it to the ground. His only consolation was the fact that he was the only one standing. Next combatants, Baker versus number seven and number eight, shouted the Ram Dama. Two of them? asked Baker as he looked at McGee, and then he turned toward the ring. He saw the two men coming out of one of the cages. How am I supposed to? The enforcers ran over. The mesh moved upward, and they pulled Baker into the ring. McGee ran forward, but he was pushed back. The mesh closed, and Baker was now inside the ring alone against the two men. Two men who had not been denied food and sleep. Oh, God, said McGee, closing his eyes. And he held on to him. He hasn't got a damn chance, said McGee, raising his voice. Baker knew the whole bizarre spectacle was not a game at all. It was very real. He had little doubt the Ram Dama would let him die at the hands of the two opponents. He moved forward, taking them by surprise. Swinging the swords at full force, he lunged at them, grunting and growling. They quickly ran back, splitting up. He was able to keep one of them at bay while he hammered at the other. Good, Bake. Get him back. Get him back, cheered McGee. Ram Dama didn't expect this. Get him, babe! Get him! cried Anna. But even though the mighty black man was keeping them back, they were slowly pushing him across the ring and into the corner. Soon they were both in front of him. He had lost his maneuverability. He moved desperately toward the man on the left, but the other man pushed his sword through Baker's left side. Oh my God! said Annie, turning away onto McGee's shoulder. Incredibly, Baker did not go down. He was still fighting. Moving forward, he sliced open the other man's arm. The optimism was ill-founded because the other man pierced his sword through Baker's neck, killing him instantly. 
McGee's eyes filled with tears and he felt the emotion surging up from his belly. He breathed rapidly as he looked up at the Ram Dhamma. The church leader was cheering with the rest of the crowd. I will kill you! shouted McGee through the crowd's roar. He ran up to the wire mesh and began ripping at it as he continued screaming, I'll kill you! Under a preconceived plan, the enforcers dragged Baker's body through the dirt and right to the outside of McGee's cage. His friend lay in the dirt, blood and dust over the silver breastplate. Oh, Bake! Bake! As he stared at his friend, a blue beam emerged from the Mondamas area. It screamed through the air, hitting Baker's body, stirring up the dust. In front of his very eyes, his friend's figure was vaporized from view. I'll kill him, no matter how long it takes. I don't care. I'll kill him, said McGee as the crowd began chanting. Your chance is coming, Mr. McGee, said the Ram Dhamma, somehow hearing what he was saying. The wire mesh moved upward. Annie still clung to McGee as the enforcers pulled him into the arena. Across the way, three men were stepping into the ring. McGee felt the adrenaline flowing. You stay back, sunshine. I'll take him on. She followed him anyways, not being able to let him go out there alone. McGee slowed, however, as he, as he approached the three men. His eyes met the eyes of the other man on the right. They recognized each other very well. After all, he had hidden the man from the SIA for the better part of two days. Colonel Thomas Hutchinson, the man they had framed for stealing the red medal, was now standing 25 feet away, ready to fight to the death. McGee stared at him as Annie finally caught up to him. That's Hutchinson, he yelled. Told you to stay back, Annie, he said, still looking at the colonel. Hutchinson! We don't need this! Let's fight against him! But Hutchinson was deeply drugged. His eyes were glassy and his expression intense. One of the men came forward, winging his sword through the air. McGee had no option other than fighting. He swung his boot upward, ripping open the man's wrist. The man screamed in pain, bleeding severely as he rolled in the dirt. Annie was in trouble. Hutchinson and the other men were rushing after her. McGee leaped forward, hitting the colonel with a cross-body block. He pushed the colonel to the ground, but did not kill him. Instead, he kicked at the other man's leg, disabling him momentarily. It was an impossible task, but Hutchinson was soon on his feet, and the man with the bleeding wrist had recovered. It would only be a matter of time before they would corner Annie and McGee. Colonel, listen to me! You've been drugged! He yelled as Hutchinson summarily smashed his sword in him. McGee's mind seemed to snap with the metal. He rushed the other man and pummeled his face with a jagged edge. The man grabbed his face and fell to the dirt. The Ram Dhamma was on the edge of his seat. He was unnerved that they were putting up such a struggle. As he watched, however, the two visionaries were running through the crowd. When they reached his seat, they bent over and whispered something in his ear. His eyes opened wide. Seconds later, his, seconds later, his voice echoed around the arena. Stop! Stop the proceeding at once! The enforcers moved in with the metal poles. Hutchinson was wavering. The drugs seemed to have overcome him. It was as if he had burnt himself out. As he staggered, the enforcers dragged them all back to the wire mesh cages. Colonel! Colonel! cried McGee as the mesh closed and the new combatants were brought into the ring. What is he doing here? Annie asked. McGee lifted his limp body up through the mesh. He looks dead. It's not dead, Annie. Look at him. 
This is what the SIA does to its heroes. Frame them and then send them off to this pig pen, he said as Hutchinson opened his eyes. But he was just staring into space. He won't answer anything, B. Colonel, where is the red medal? Is it here? said McGee. He slapped the colonel's face. Snap out of it, Hutchinson. Where is it, damn it? He shouted, Baker's death affecting his every thought. He stood and gazed up at the Ram Dama. He let Baker die. He let him die in these stupid games. Why did he stop our game? Annie wanted to know. The others fought to the death. Just to hold it out in front of us, or me. He enjoys watching my reactions, watching me suffer. The door in back of the cage opened, and five enforcers came up the stairway and into the cage. What now? A new game? A new torture chamber? shouted McGee. His Majesty has granted your pardon, said one of them. What? asked Annie incredulously. You have been pardoned. Move into the pardon. Move into the stairway said the enforcer. They lifted the colonel, but allowed McGee and Annie to walk freely. McGee stared at Hutchinson as they entered the staircase, and he wondered why the colonel had remained drugged. Join us again next week for another adventurous episode of the Ram Dama's Kingdom, Who Is He Who Commands the Masses? Produced by Fitton.